Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of Committed Critics, a pop culture podcast where it's not just committed to our opinions, but also each other. I'm your host, Kevin Lau, and up next we have... Hey guys, I'm Ryan Davis. Hey yo, it's me, Zach. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself, man? Uh, you know, hanging in there. Got one week till I move into a new place, so looking forward to that. Ooh. Nice. Thanks. Yeah, big, big adult decisions been happening. Woohoo! That's the best we can do in these trying times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what's everyone been up to? What's everyone watching? Oh, you know, just a little little indie film called Hamilton. That's not a film, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. Look, man, I get it. It's the theater. Um, but the the footage, uh, well, the, well, like the quote-unquote film that yeah. they put on Disney Plus is pretty good as a film i would say uh yeah it works um i feel uh, one one of my friends who has seen it live uh told me that it's a different experience watching it live than it mm-hmm. is to watch it in film especially for the um the song satisfy when they do the rewind backward choreography because you don't really i got s- bone pick with that so keep going i'll come back to that yeah yeah, but like you don't really see the back the backwards choreography, and there's a lot of editing to it. Um, but yeah. I do think, in its own right, it is very powerful. Yes, I agree. So it's like you know, it's not. So when I when I say I've watched Hamilton, I I think I should dif- differentiate between the theater and watching the Disney Plus version. Uh, so I'll just call it the movie. I agree. Yeah. It's just I, you know it seems like a different experience uh, for sure, and it's like different different of a tone. But mm-hmm. I still enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Like, I don't actively watch or go to attend theater, but uh, it's good stuff. I, I want to see more theater. Okay, so so for my end, so I started with what, or listening to, like, the um, album on, like, Spotify and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went and saw it in person at the Chicago Theater, which where it, was, it wasn't the original cast, obviously. Right. It was the Chicago um, Satellite performance of it. And so going in there, having listened to like the original performance and stuff like that, it was different because each one did their own take. Like, for example, King George, right? In the film, it's portrayed by Jonathan Groff, who has been in Mindhunter or yeah, Mindhunter and like Frozen as Kristoff, stuff like that. And then the King I saw in Chicago, like he did a whole like dance, like not a dance number during uh, the Reynolds pamphlet, but like he was way more like vivid and was doing crazy crazy shit energetic pamphlet yeah very energetic yeah he was sitting like throwing the papers like money it was fun (laughs) yeah so like when i first listened to the soundtrack because i only listened to listen to it once but like i imagined that's you know that king role being really energetic is by the time of the music i was kind of surprised to see how unenergetic it was the the in terms of body movement um but i still thought it was really good performance but yeah i um i hear the chicago uh crew is pretty good um, I I hear mm-hmm. the Hamilton and Aaron Burr is better yes. in the Chicago cast than the original. Each one has their own flavors, and like each one does it brings different something new to the table, which is very interesting. And like even Lin Manuel Miranda said it like during like when it was first on like original Broadway, every show was different. So the one we saw in, on Disney Plus is completely different than the one they did like next week. So I mean, right? You don't get Jonathan in that next week version of of the original cast you don't have jonathan groff spitting all over poor alex lackamore in the conducting the people down there but yeah going back to satisfied i was very starting off as as like a film per se the choices they made in the editing and like the like camera like um the camera picks like the choices of shots they went with 
I was very right. Um, like I'm not confused, but I'm like, why did they go with that shot? They had a, they clearly had another camera over there. They could have got a better shot, like of their faces and stuff like that. And like when mm-hmm. satisfied happened, I'm like, okay, cool. We're gonna see the turntable, everything, and we're just quick, quick, quick cuts. I'm like, okay, I like the quick, I like the quick cuts, but I wish you would have saw more quick cuts of them going back in time, <laughs> right? Because you didn't really get the fact they were rewinding. I mean, that was my only gripe with it. I'm just kind of like, all right, whatever. But yeah, this as it went on, it got better with the shots, picks, but the shot choices. But in the beginning, it was just kind of like. Eh, could be better choices i guess yeah it's a little rough at the start mm-hmm. i think yeah um, but it does find its flow kind of basically like right after satisfied satisfied that's where it finds its flow yeah i agree uh, yeah it's just kind of weird that that's the turning point yeah it was weird because like when we first saw like hamilton like in person um it wasn't like a close of his face it was kind of like a weird medium shot mm-hmm. and i'm like okay like here we have a nice not extreme close-up but like there's a shot of burr like in um uh, uh, Skylar sisters. It's like basically like from like the chest up, and I'm like, oh, why didn't we use that shot for Hamilton earlier? I just, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, people are getting paid way more money than my dumbass college student having gripes about mm-hmm. certain things. Yeah, so well, I believe it was shot over the course of three days, right? I'm pretty sure that was from a live performance. Okay, so it's just once. No, well. Is it just one single performance? Because I noticed. I thought when uh, in uh, Satisfied, yeah, uh, Angela has like a corset uh, that kind of like disappears between shots. And Angelica, Kevin, come on, Angelica. I'm yeah, just giving shit. <laughs> I've only technically listened to it twice uh, over the span know, of five years. <laughs> I'm just busting uh, your balls right now. I think. I think there's like some other small continuity things uh, that my brain was like, this is a little weird, but then I just kind of like went with it. Um, Interesting. I'm not, I don't know that for sure. I thought I just assumed it was one live performance because in the beginning it said like a date and I'm like, oh, okay. It's that performance they recorded. Okay, cool. Right. That's yeah. I don't know. We'll, I think we'll have yeah. to look that one up to be mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. But since let's keep things flowing uh, to make sure we don't run out of time. Uh, Ryan, what have you been up to? Uh, besides, you know, working the adult life. Um, well, I'm replaying Detroit Become Human, only because in these trying times, it, I don't know. For some reason, I've heard a lot of people have been replaying right. it, only because of, you know, with everything going on, with, so, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything, everyone's like, you know, what reminds me of this, Detroit Become Human, and after replaying it i'm like wow this really is current day uh events but it's uh, it's problematic from from my perspective i haven't played it fully um i've only kind of like watched gameplays of it so i can't say fully i can't fully critique the game mm-hmm. um i just find the concept a little weird when you compare it to civil rights especially when the main especially when the protagonists are white oh definitely um Apparently, the guy who plays Marcus is supposed to be black, but I don't see it. Supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's, you know, it's still, it's like a whitewashed civil rights movement, I guess. Kind of, yeah. Uh, but also, it's like the idea of, like, cyborgs that were, create- that were created for the purpose of being, like, servants, uh, gaining souls, or, like, gaining, like, an, at least an art- artificial intelligence 
that's complex enough to be considered quote unquote human uh demanding to be treated as human so it's kind of weird mm-hmm. to where it's like you know it's like oh yeah like you know in terms of civil rights movement perspective like it's in, and like metaphor and all that stuff uh it's like you know blacks weren't created to serve uh they Oof. were people <laughs> uh that were captured or, or sold um it's you know it's 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 rough it's a rough metaphor i don't think it does i don't think it's as good that's that's my take at least uh, my hot take um it's not as good as some people claim it to be, but it is. I enjoy what it. it. Not as, oh, what were you saying? Uh, I was gonna say not as good as the X Men parallels, but sorry, continue it, Ryan. <laughs> exactly, the X Men parallels are good. I mean, it definitely gives off. It gives some of like because you can do the whole pacifist or violent revolution type thing. Mm-hmm. But I think I enjoy it more because of you know I I like cho- game choice uh type mm-hmm. or create your own story type games, but I think it also. The story definitely it has its flaws and it has its ups. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the strongest character is Connor, only because he's the actual detective, and he's more of on the case of why of uh, these things are happening rather than the actual you know whole civil rights movement. And then Kara and her, you know, I don't know. I want to be a mom type story. I love it when um, choose your own adventure stories and games uh have you as a detective solving mysteries yeah i feel like that's the best use of the mechanic and i think that's why connor's story works the best until like he starts getting way too involved with the uh Mm -hmm. you know all the androids rebelling but before then he's just a detective and it's like you see how if how if he if you don't get the right clues sometimes you don't find the criminal sometimes you uh it might you might fail later on in the story because you don't have all the clues to figure it out. And because there's a whole scene where you just go back to the evidence room and you have to go over all the evidence that you've collected. And if you've done different decisions, you might not have the evidence needed to actually get to where you need to go next. Mm-hmm. So I think I think if they made a game specifically for Detective, it would work much better. So right, I'm not a big... Go ahead, Zach. No, go ahead, Zach. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the game because like the problematic aspects Kevin talked about earlier. But however, to the game's defense, the actor who um, portrayed Marcus is of mixed origins. Okay. So his mother was his mother was Swedish and his father was African American from Georgia. Whether that is okay, Georgia, the United States, making sure it wasn't the country. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but however, they could have changed his skin tone in the game. I've never played it, so I don't know what he looks like in the game. Right. Yeah, he look he he looks very pale, like kind of white almost. Because you really don't. Yeah. Because like until someone told me he was mixed. I think uh, one of my friends told me I thought it was just like a full white cast. And I was like, this kind of sucks. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Back to what Kevin was saying. Right. I mean, it's like I mean, like, I'm not going to, like, condemn the creators of the game for it, because I think because their heart was in the right place. Um, They they were trying to to spread a message the best way they could. Um, I just think that, you know, a little more if a little more education was put into it or a little more like revision, uh was done mm-hmm. it could have been really solid but it also like you know gameplay mechanics wise it's like three different games put together as well uh kind of mishmash um but you know it's like it's i mean like the the quantum dreams i think is the is the studio that made it um yeah 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 like they they've always had that problem with their games where it's just like it's it's not quite sure what it's trying to be 
and Detroit Become Human was the most focused one so far. Um, I mean, I'll give it props that uh, it does better than Telltale and that some of the decisions you make mm-hmm. actually will affect the story. Because, like, in Telltale, one of the problems it has, it kind of is, you make your decisions, but you'll still end up on the same train right. at points. Right, yeah, yeah. Whereas this game actually will make it, if you make the wrong decision, you'll die. Right. And that's the end of your, that character's story. Right. So, with Telltale, it's like, you know, the plot stays the same, um, but the, it's just the context of the emotions is that's different. Uh, like, the people you're with and the people mm-hmm. um, who you left. Um, it they don't always do it well. Um, <clears throat> Batman season one. Um, <laughs> I'm inter- I haven't played. I haven't. Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, yeah, though that I heard that one was rough. <laughs> that was it was awful. Um, I haven't played Batman season two yet. I got it recently in a humble bundle, but that one has two different endings actually, right? I think you played it, Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has two. It has two different endings. They're actually pretty different from each other. Okay, which I thought was interesting. That's nice. Um, but Telltale, Se- Walk- Telltale, Walking Dead season one, mm, quality chef kiss. What about you, Zach? What have you been up to? Uh, real quick, I want to go back to the Hamilton thing. Kevin, you were right. The film was ed- edited together from three performances at the Richard Rogers Theater in June of 2016. So you were correct. Also, going back to episode one of the podcast, I made a claim that un- people did not like Uncharted two. Man, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take that back right now. I found a hot take on Twitter and I'm like, oh, people are agreeing in this thread. Whatever. Cool, I guess. Yeah, that's on me. And I apologize. Yeah, Uncharted 2 is great. (laughs) Nice. I hate being right. (laughs) So what I've been doing, I've been actually played a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey this weekend. Surprisingly enough, I've never really been a big Assassin's. (laughs) I've never really been a big Assassin's Creed fan. But this one caught my eye because I've heard good recommendations from it, good reviews of it. Mm-hmm. And also it's the Greek mythology in the Greek pantheon. Uh-huh. And oh my God, last night I started playing at like 9 p.m. I get a phone call later from my sister asking for a ride home. And it was like 1130. And I'm like, where did the time go? <laughs> like, I just get so lost in that game doing every side quest, trying to like g- advance the plot to the next um, person you're trying to hunt down to figuring out these cool mythos and um, these cool uh, beat like mythic beasts you have to kill. It's just... Are you really, like, an assassin in this game? Because, like, the whole thing I see, you know, like, is that you're technically, like, still a soldier. So it's like, are you really assassinating? Yeah. So the way you can the way you can build your character is there's three different kinds of builds. You can be a warrior. It's kind of like an RPG now, kind of like Destiny, where you can have different gear. So you can do a warrior build, a hunter build, or an assassin build. Okay. Um, I've been... I've been doing kind of... So shouldn't it be Warrior's Creed or Hunter's Creed? I mean, yeah. Like, the whole Assassin's Creed and, like, the whole, like, Animus, I have only been, like, out of the, like... Because, like, the Animus is where you go into to go back to the history. I've only gotten out and went back to the present twice. And I'm, like, 30 hours in the game. Uh-huh. At least. Yeah, they kind of stopped doing that with, like, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. I think that was, like... Yeah. The one that really, that really changed the whole series. Yeah, I hopped in. I hopped out the very first time, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. I guess I'll walk around." But like, I had nothing to do with it, like in the real world. I'm like, "There's like, read like here's some cool lure. You can hop back in now." I'm like, oh, "Okay." So I hopped back in and didn't look back. <laughs> I've been playing as Cassandra because you can pick your hero. I've been playing as Cassandra, and Cassandra is such a badass. Oh my god, <laughs> I love her. She's so cool, and yeah, it's really cool. I recommend it if you want a good game. I don't think I'm probably in the, like 
close to the end game, maybe. I have to be, because I'm close to beating, like, the bad guys. So, I mean, but I'm, like, probably about 30 to 35 hours in right now. So, and there's, like, two DLC packs. Mm-hmm. So, this game's going to last me a long time. Right. I think you're about to reach the end mm-hmm. of the uh, main game, because I think it's only, like, a 40-hour campaign. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I hear a lot of good things about Odyssey. I, I've been wanting to play yeah. that. So, it's it's on my radar. I recommend it. It's also on sale right now on Epic Games if you want to go pick it up. I think it's, like, 15 bucks. Oh, 15 bucks? Oh, that's not bad. I think. Hang on, I can look it up. On PlayStation, I'm not sure if it's still up, but I remember last time I looked, um, they have Odyssey, Origins, Syndicate, Rogue, Unity, and Black Flag. All six games for sixty dollars. I've heard good things about Origins too. Yeah, Origins was supposed to be like the resurgence of like it's good yeah. now, and then Odyssey was like it's still good. Um, but it's really not like Odyssey. It's not an Assassin's Creed game because I, I remember playing like one Assassin's Creed game, and it was very like hide, like jump off buildings, like stab people, assassinate, run away. Yeah. This you can walk into an enemy camp and just hack and slash like Spider Man or Batman Arkham. Oh yeah. yeah. You can do whatever the hell you want. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now is tw- on sale for twenty dollars in the Epic Game Store. Rough. I'm gonna wait till it's five dollars. If you have your ten dollar coupon, you can use it on that. I think I do have my ten dollar coupon still. Hmm. Uh, I would use it on that. I will look into it. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I've only played the first Assassin's Creed, mm-hmm. and that one's repetitive as hell. Yeah. Uh, the very first it, one. The very first one. Uh, it's a lot of like the same three missions over and over again, and but yeah, it's like Zach was saying, where it's like you don't your combat isn't your your thing. You have to do, use stealth and all that. So stuff. to preface, um, this. I've noticed, like, I've, as I've been playing for like 30 hours in this game, mm-hmm. they repeat the missions a lot. You're doing kind of the same thing over and over again. But I'm just so in love with the story and so ingrained into it that I don't care if I have to go run, aclo- run across the, like, Greek world mm-hmm. to go talk to this person, come back, and then go kill a fort or, what, like, kill this whole fort. Like, it's kind of it's kind of repetitive if you think about it and, like, like logistically. Right. But, man, it's so much fun because each fort you can... And you said there's monsters in it, too? Yeah, there's, like, you can fight, like, bears and wolves. But, like, there are, like, four mythical beasts you have to go find and, like, kill. And then there's also, like, a whole, like, side quest where you're, like, a hunt... You're with a hunter of Artemis. And you go through and, like, hunt the Nemean lion and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, I enjoy it a lot. No, so yeah, the first game is supposedly the worst game in the series, and it's like you know, it's very interesting. It's, it's one of those games that like it has promise, but doesn't have a lot of momentum to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the SEO trilogy is supposed to be really good. They've been, it has to be. They've been remastering it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess you're right. Um, so I haven't played those yet. Maybe one day. Like, it's just it's just on the on the list of the long list of games that like I'll play these eventually. This game does make me want to get the new one, Valhalla, coming out in uh, the fall. But we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how Valhalla is. Their mm-hmm. their cinematic trailers are great. Oh my god, yeah. I wish they would just make Assassin's Creed movies like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead of what we got. <laughs> uh, I still haven't watched the one we got. It looks, ooh, ooh, it looks so. Oh. It's it's very meh. Like it's it's a nice action movie, but it isn't. Uh, it's not quality at all. Mm-hmm. It's like basically kind of like one of those dumb sit sit through it and just watch and be like placated. Yeah. Big ol' yikes. Big yikes. Moving on. Zach. Yes. You said you finished part one of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, correct? I did. I don't know if I said this episode, but I definitely told you guys about it. Um, <laughs> but yes, I finished part one. 
spoiler territory, I guess. Ryan and Kevin, you will hate me. I mean, I finished part one and I'm like, oh, it kind of ends. I'm on part two now. That's interesting. Cool. All right. Um, like, like there's no like denouement of part one or anything like that. There was no like resolution. It was just, oh, part two. Let's go. Yeah. Like, okay. That's kind of interesting. Yep. Yep. It just keeps going. Welcome to anime. Yeah. So spoiler territory. Um, I didn't really feel anything for Hugh's death. You were right. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's sad. I felt more for Nina because it was more effed up. Right. But I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Hughes is a necessary loss. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all this happened. Hughes was the best dad oh, yeah. character. He, the most heartfelt, kindest person in the entire show, with the exception of Nina. Mm-hmm. The most kindest person in the show. He died doing what was right. Yeah. Well, Nina represents, like, the, like, like innocence, like, the loss of innocence in, like, a, in a cruel world. Um, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or, like, the consequences of being innocent in a cruel world rather um but also but like hughes is a good man doing the right thing and just was at the wrong place wrong time figured it out and the bad guys killed him and like yeah it's sad like retrospectively but like killed by an image of his wife (laughs) yeah it's it's messed up like i get it i didn't really i didn't cry or anything like that rip Imagine if they had his daughter pop up, if Envy had turned into his daughter instead. Yeah, no, like, like I said, super sad, and I can't wait to see what happens when Ed and um, Winry and Al find out. Yeah, I want to see those repercussions. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be repercussions. <laughs> when Mustang's like, I'm going on a spree, I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's go, Mustang. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, like, Mustang will, for the rest of the show, he is on a, like, psychotic manhunt. Oh, that's cool. To find to find uh who killed Hughes and when he finds him I mean you you can see what you've seen what he's been able to do oh yeah yeah Mustang I remember you guys said I'm you the person I'm most like in the show is Mustang and now I'm very scared question mark and curious as to where this is gonna go (laughs) um but yeah no wait go ahead Ryan oh I was just gonna ask like so when you left up you did you get to greed at all (sighs) greed yeah yeah yeah. that was the guy I was or Ed was fighting right yeah. It was a uh, homunculus, and it's a, a homunculi is someone who was transmuted. Uh, what they were trying, what they're trying to do, I can't think of the way to phrase it. Uh, it's just like ter- transmute a transmuted human, like they don't have a, a human soul. made out of nothing, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've met greed. I met greed. I met envy. I met. I've met lust. I met gluttony. I think that's Did it. you complete the greed story, or did I finish? I don't think the greed story is completed. I finished part one, so I'm not. I'm not starting yeah, part no, two. Yeah, uh, I'm most spoiled. Yeah, it for part. You yeah, part. Ryan, I know what you're thinking yeah. of. Uh, part two is when that character comes okay. in. And then, oh, so part two finale is. I feel like is the only one that actually has like a real finale feel to it. Yeah. Um, and it is. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that one because that made me feel That's, things. It's really messed up. <laughs> well, I'm excited because like I was looking at the episodes. I'm like, all right, you guys told me season one's kind of or part one's more of like, oh, a recap. Yeah, it's only twelve episodes. But I realize that most of the part parts only have twelve episodes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Let's well, make it a lot easier to digest and to sort in my head. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Cool. Yes. No, it definitely it definitely goes by fast. Yeah. When it comes to anime, it's not really the stories aren't really broken up into seasons. It's more like just arcs. Yeah. Uh, sometimes an arc. Sometimes a season ends in the middle of an arc. Yeah. Uh, but most of the time, especially now, it's more like they try to do two arcs a season. Full Metal Alchemist, the way the manga was written, there's there's not really arcs per se, but instead it's just it's really serialized, just one big story going plowing through. Okay. It's hard to really pinpoint of like what arcs are which. Right. Yeah. Uh, and where they begin and where they end because they kind of overlap each other. 
um really like when it comes to full metal alchemist it's more like the fights like you know it's like who's the who's like who are they fighting mm-hmm. in the in these few episodes who are they fighting in these few episodes right. ryan do, do, what are your thoughts on that i mean that's kind of yeah i kind of agree with that because it's like you could try and split into arcs but like the like you said they overlap because there's so many different characters doing different things so you can't really say because two two sets of characters might be doing different arcs and it's like it's interesting i find about full metal is because you like you don't see them that much in part one but as the series goes on you get introduced to new characters Mm -hmm. you see different characters interact that you would never think would interact or ever like you know cross paths Mm -hmm. and that's how you see how kind of developed this world is because there'll be like an entire like an entirely new character will cross over with uh, a couple main characters and you'll see those main characters cross over with villains and it just goes on and on it's funny you say that because i was like whenever like before hughes died i'm like like the fear came in it's like okay yeah don't tell anyone like this is the group who knows about um what ed and al are trying to do yada 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 and so when Mustang found out he was dead, I'm like, oh, right. Mustang doesn't know what Hughes was involved in with like Armstrong and the Fuhrer and uh, Ed and Al. I'm like, I thought Mustang was totally cute, like clued in on it. But I'm like, oh, man, he is in the dark on this right now. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, because it's like they'll there are characters who are left out of like situations until later on in the series, because like I'm not going to spoil it for but like it's a long time before Ed and Al discover what happened oh really wow okay yeah it's a long time but yeah no in the after part two is when the series starts to like even out a bit because like i said um part one is more like the recap of the first half of the original series and then and then so after that it's just going to be like it's just it smooths out it goes to a slower pace introduces more characters and plot threads and it's just got you know it's just going to become much more organic as it goes on so, Kevin, yes. where are you at in Avatar Last Airbender since this is the collective and I've finally fulfilled my part of this, this deal? Uh, I think you still got a couple more episodes to go. <laughs> I'm so far behind compared to you. <laughs> I'm so far behind. Uh, but no, I I am ha- pretty much halfway done with uh, Avatar. I, my last episode was The Chase. Ooh. Oh, it's such a good episode. Yeah, it was The Chase, which is like season two, episode nine. Yeah. Right. I I feel like... I like the chase. I like what it did. There's a, I I didn't like how it worked as an episode, but I liked how it worked as a part of a series. Mm-hmm. I love that just the end team up though to get Azula. It's so satisfying. Yes, the end team up is so satisfying. But the thing is, though, like Katara hasn't really had like a, her own episode yet, mm-hmm. uh, except for like the water bending master. Yeah. And so like the way this episode starts off, you think it's, it starts off kind of Katara centric uh, and like, kind of like introduces her um, uh, chemistry with Toph, uh, who's also a great character, by the way. Yeah. How do you love, how do you like Toph? Go, going back to that real fast. Toph is really great. Uh, I, I think she adds a really great um, element to the, to the main dynamic. Because the like the main dynamic with Aang, Katara, and Sokka, I feel like can only go so far uh, before it starts. And like it was started right when it was starting to run dry, they uh, Toph came in and then uh, previous basically rejuvenated the 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 chemistry between the main cast. Toph adds a little chaotic energy to the whole to the whole mix. Yeah, a little bit of a chaotic energy because both Sokka and Katara are like very like you know they they're they're both the type of people to say no. Yeah, they're both parental. They're both organized. Like, no, Aang, don't do that. Um, or like, 
Or they say no to each other. You'll get to those episodes where Sokka and Aang team up, and I'm like, they're two of the smartest people I know, but collectively, they have one effing brain cell. <laughs> it's so true. Like, good lord. There are some episodes later, uh, there are some episodes later where, like, Toph and Katara have to go do something, and together, Sokka and Aang are like, what the f*** do we do? Like, what, what are we supposed to do? Like, we have no, we have no idea what to do right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, when, like, in Sokka, there's technically been two Sokka-centric episodes so far, and both times, Sokka is, like, a very capable person. Mm-hmm yeah um i think the chase is it chases more or less kind of sock centric towards the end um especially like with the fight between tylee and may like soccer really like show like really uh stands his ground as a boomerang guy against uh earth Be- against benders going back to your quest like your uh critique of katara's episodes katara gets a very good a very uh a couple strong episodes in season three and a couple in season two but they're more in the they're more in season three is where she starts to shine. She's definitely more more prominent now in season two than she was in season one. Uh, season one, she, it really felt like she was just there. Uh, and then there was like the what the episode where Aang learned firebending. It felt like she was there just to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, season one of Avatar is kind of like the it's the new a new hope of like the series. Yeah, it's there to introduce you. It's kid friendly. It's fun. There's not a lot of depth to it really. Mm-hmm. But as these, I think you'll really love season three, Kevin. Okay, I think you'll like season two because that's when it also start. That's when it makes that transition to being darker too. Especially because after seeing I, Kevin, I know you mentioned uh, to us your favorite episode was Zuko alone. Oh, so good. Yeah. So Zuko alone, that was the one that's like it's surprising. I watched. I was watching him like this is surprisingly mature uh, for a kids show. Like there was a huge like jump to that in tone, and I love it. I want to ask, do you understand what happened between his mom and, like, his father and his grandfather? Okay, so, like, his grandfather was dying, um, and so his father had to take his take the role of, as the Fire Lord Nation guy. And then, like, obviously his father kind of hates Zuko for being a weakling, uh, and, of course, Azula is more, like, in her father, father's footsteps, so she's nuts. <laughs> 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 well, she's nuts. Uh... <laughs> Something is wrong with that she's child. She's crazy, and she needs to go down. She's she's a really good villain, though. Like I, I stand by it. She's a, she's a better villain than the Fire Lord is, in my opinion. Azula is an interesting villain. I will say that much. She gets very complex. Yes, she is a great villain. Correct. She's definitely. I feel like there's a. She is that more complex relationship, right? Because it's like because not only cause like Zuko was the bad guy of season one, mm-hmm. uh, but then like you know he he transitioned to more or less like a rogue, uh, and antihero, and then Azula came in, and then Zuko's like maybe I need to not be the bad guy. So which is kind of like what's happening now with the chase, especially the ending. Is Uncle Iroh okay? Please, I need to know. You think they would kill off that character? <laughs> oh good but yeah i kind of understood like i didn't understand why exactly the mom needed to his mom needed to leave um uh, i would assume it's like she got banished or something or had to run away break it down for him ryan break it down for him um so basically uh ozai came up with this plot you know i need to get rid of grandfather so he can become fire lord so basically well, real quick real quick hang on to interrupt i ozai was never in line for the throne it was iroh yeah right yeah so it was yeah uncle iroh was in line for the throne but he gave up the war of bossing say because his son died. So then like so that's why Zuko's father took up the uh the the throne. Well that was the excuse Ozai used against 
Iroh, but continue, Ryan, sorry, continue, Ryan, go ahead. Right. But also, uh, Ozai had his wife concoct a poison to poison uh, the that Fire Lord, the grandfather. And so basically, that's what killed him. He, he didn't die of like old age, he died because she poisoned him. And so since she technically, you know, uh, killed the Fire Lord, she was banished. What? Well, do you know why she did that for him? Wait, is this is this like later on in the show, or is this more like just extra material? This is a tie-in comic later. But I, it wasn't because like Zuko was gonna, she was he was gonna kill Zuko. Ozai was gonna kill Zuko, and so the mom is like, Ursa was like, no, don't do that. Here, I'll I'll get you, Fire Lord. Hang on. So she made a poison, did the deed, and then Ozai's like, okay, fine, banished her, and then Ozai took the throne, and then Zuko was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ozai was going to kill his own son for embarrassing himself. Wow, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wild, right? It, it's pretty wild. I thought this was a kid's show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why it's a tie-in comic, and that was going to be, the tie-in comic's what season four was going to be, but they stopped at season three, so probably for the best. Okay, yeah. I, I, I think the comics are still going on. Um, They recently released- uh, Two new ones. A key, uh, Avatar Kyoshi story. Well, there's Avatar Kyoshi story, and there's two new ones coming out about a uh, Toph story and a Katara story. Oh, finally, we're going to learn who Toph married. <laughs> uh, it's her Metal Bending Academy, apparently. Oh, that's a spoiler. Shit. Damn it, Zach. Oh, rip. Spoilers. My bad. Sorry, Kevin. No, but um, because you said you left off on the chase. Yes. Personally, I think you'll enjoy Wars like the middle of season two, especially um, Tales of Boston Say. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous thing, because it's like it's literally straight filler, but it's also one of the most emotional scenes like stories you can get okay it's filler but it builds so many characters i'm ready wait is that that's later on in season two yes like episode 15 in season two okay gotcha cool i'm trying to average like one episode a night um because i have to write recaps for each episode mm-hmm. uh for crprights.com uh so i've been basically i've been watching it once every night then i like i write notes as i watch the episode so hopefully i should have it done by the end of August, or at least definitely by the time Korra comes out on Netflix, which is August 14th. Kevin, you're you're pretty well off. Like since you finished the chase, I'm looking at like the episode list. There's really not much BS to sift through. Right. And and, and I know and it looks like Netflix, like for some two parters for the two or three parters in seasons two and three, they combined it into one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know they do it with uh, I know the fi- the finale they have it combined into one whole thing, so all four episodes, and I was like, oh, this is just basically a movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is that a good way to watch it, or should I? I mean, yeah. Yes, you should watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, hopefully they don't they, they they're able to transition well. So it's like it's not like in the middle of an episode, and then before they cut the credits, it's just the the intro again. Um, yeah, that's kind of like when it first aired on Nickelodeon, it was like a two hour block. But like it, like after one after the first part was over, it cut to black and it faded up on the t- credit for or like the the title and like the book number and stuff like that, and go back into the episode. Okay, cool. So yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. So it's- you don't have to see previously on Avatar. Previously on Avatar. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like marathon mode in uh, for the Attack on Titan Blu-ray. But yeah, Kevin, for kind of yeah. So when you're watching the season two finale, watch the two parter mm-hmm. at once, and we're watching season three finale like the series finale watch all four of those parts at once right and then there's the mid-season finale of season three right there's two parts you'll know which ones they are 
when you get to them. I'm not going to say the name of the episode to spoil it, mm. um, but watch those two at one at the same time. Yeah, too. I think, like I said, seasons two and three, I don't see the part one or part two in the titles. I just see the runtime, okay. uh, which I which looks like everything is combined. Cool. Season one finale is the only one that looks separated on Netflix. Interesting. Cool. The more you know. The more you know. I really like it so far, though. Uh, this is... Zuko is a great character. Uh, turtle ducks are kind of cool. Kevin, when you get to the point, there is going to be one thing in the series finale. You're going to be like, yeah, eh, and it's going to be kind of weak. And you're going to be like, all right, you're going to you're going to like attack it for some reason. I just got a feeling you're going to attack it. But because kind of like a it's kind of like a day X kind of thing. I'm just gonna give you a middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're talking about. He suddenly learned the ability to do this other thing. Jesus. I mean, that's that's typical in high fantasy. So where they have. The, the main character like oh gains a new ability at the end to that they needed to overcome the villain yeah but it's like so i'm looking for that foreshadowing and my prediction is that he's just going to take away the um the fire lords or uh fire bending interesting yeah so because it's all like i said like I, my my analysis so far is like for the action sequences their goal is not to kill the villains it is to just nullify the threat or at least or at least run from them right and ang doesn't want to kill yeah. Even though Avatar Kyoshi is totally cool with murder. <laughs> <laughs> if this Avatar was Kyoshi, this whole thing would have been over in two days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, for sure. I want to read those Kyoshi novels. It's like, does she really just not care? Like, does she care about anything? I don't know. I don't know. Um, her island. <laughs> yeah, her island. I think that's about it. I mean, it's a good island. It would be cool. It'd be cool to see a, in like a like a new series, but it's like a prequel series. And it's like when it'd be like Avatar Kyoshi as a series. Like you have like Aang as the Airbender, you have uh Korra uh-huh. as the Waterbender Avatar. Now you have Kyoshi as the Earthbending Avatar, but it's a prequel. I think that'd be cool to see. Interesting. That would be pretty cool. Because you kind of see you you see Roku's story for the most part, really. Yeah, you you get Roku, you get all of Roku's story in one episode later. Right. You know, Roku is like they that's the one they go to a lot. So and it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Well, you get a full you get a full rehash of like like later in season three. It's like called like the Fire Lord and the Avatar or something like that. Yeah. So you kind of get the history of the history of the war, mm-hmm. and then also the history of Roku. Yeah. And what like why this war all began? Mm-hmm. Right. But the thing is, though, it's a kid show. Aang doesn't want to kill anyone, so you know he's gonna learn some new ability that at the last moment where he can mm-hmm. overcome the Fire Lord without killing him. That's my prediction. That's how it works in high fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way, the main way to avoid making that Deus Ex Machina is to have like that build up. Yeah, a uh, little bit of writing lesson for you guys. Uh, have that foreshadowing. Uh, yeah. So I know Brandon Sanderson talked about it when about it, like in his uh, writing for Mistborn, but I won't talk about it right now because that'd be a spoiler for Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like what I will say is just like. In Mistborn, there's already hints where I'm already at the halfway point where it's like, they say, hey, Mistborns can do this weird thing sometimes. We don't know how it happens. And yeah, I wonder, I wonder what it is. (laughs) We'll find out at the end. Uh, But moving on. Ryan, you still haven't watched Doctor Who, correct? No, unfortunately not. It's all right. It's a big feat to accomplish. It is a big feat. Uh, It is very like, it's kind of intimidating, honestly, to be like, I feel I like I always feel scared to recommend Doctor Who to someone because I feel like they will look at it. And they're like, I don't understand what's happening. Kevin, can I ask you a question? Yeah. When we get to Doctor Who eventually and we're talking about like when, how it like, depends how far Ryan is. Could we do a bracket with all the doctor's companions? We could. 
Uh, I and like you and I just battle it out. I don't know. I don't know much. Uh, before two thousand. Oh yeah, not to, not the old ones. Just okay. It'll be like a four, like eight man bracket. Yeah, won't be that anything. Crazy. Donna wins them all. Honestly, I could, I see, could it. see it too. Honestly, <laughs> I meant it as a joke. It was like, yeah, but, but it's pretty good companion. You said Martha, be more of a joke. Clara for life. Clara for life. <laughs> oh, Martha needed more. Needed more seasons. Um, I'm over here like. I'm like, Martha, Batman v Superman? Martha, how do you know that name? Oh, that's a good segue, Ryan, or Kevin, into this, our next topic. Yeah, uh, you guys remember Batman versus Superman, the movie that I think is good, but everyone else thinks is bad? Hey, I think it's good. You're not alone in that. Like, it's not just you. Don't don't try and play the martyr. I, yeah. I was like, Kevin, you do you know me? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very, it's very, it's kind of divided. It's a it's a movie with acquired taste that I'll say that. Yeah. Liking it doesn't mean you're smarter than everyone else. It's just, you know, it's more your style. <laughs> no, I'm just saying though for people who want to like be elitist, like I like movies, I understand movies more because I like Batman versus Superman. It's like, no, dude, like you can you can be a dumbass and like smart movies. <laughs> I've seen it happen. I know, I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin has big brain energy because he likes I've watched Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition one time. I got big brain energy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, remember its sequel, Justice League. Um, I do. Here, okay. Can I, can I break you down a story real quick, Kevin? I'll be, yeah, I'll be fast. Go ahead. Here's a of Justice League. Walking into the theater, um, it was me, Ryan, our other friend Alex, and our other friend Alex. Was that right, Ryan? It might have been because we all sat in random seats. Cause we got it was like a last minute thing. I do remember that because I was in the handicap seat. I sat by myself on the right side of the theater. You and Alex sat on the other side of the theater, and the other Alex, Alex Minky, sat behind us. And it was like, okay. So the screen pops on. <laughs> and the next thing I remember is me walking over to Alex and you and being like, yeah, that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, similar to my experience, I guess, where I went in by myself. Um, I had just gotten Movie Pass because they had just done like the $10 a month thing. So my first Movie Pass movie, it, yeah, it was Justice League. <laughs> I remember walking in. Uh, the movie was about to start. Uh, I was sitting in my assigned seat, uh, but then like some people came up to me, he's like, "This is our seat." I'm like, "No, it's mine. Like, here's my ticket. Like, this is clearly my seat." Don't do this to me right now. I'm already fragile enough. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, like uh, I remember the cell phone footage at the beginning and. You know, Henry Cavill's weird mustache. Oh, God. You just triggered me. <laughs> His weird upper, upper lip. I didn't notice it until people kept pointing it out. I was fine with it. And people kept going like, look at his lip. Look at his lip. And I was like, no, now I can't unsee it. Oh, God. Yeah, if you don't think about it, you probably won't notice it. Or it'd be like, oh, something's weird, but I can't quite place it. Uh, but yeah, but like if you know it, you're like, yeah, like the gap between like, the, the, the bottom of his upper lip to his nose is huge. Uh, and his mouth doesn't move right. The only time I notice it, the only time I notice it is in the final battle. Like when he's like, I'm a big fan of truth. And then it cuts to him. I didn't notice it then. Yeah, I feel like it's really, it's really in your face in the cell phone footage in the beginning and then really in your face at the end. Yeah. I will say for that final, for that final battle, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie. It was very, it was very stupid. Like it's not the Justice League I wanted, but I got Justice League at the end of the day. It's definitely like a turn your brain. Oh my god, perfect parallel. You ready for this, Kevin? You're gonna love me for this one. All right, go ahead. Batman v Superman is the Last Jedi, 
and then Justice League is the Rise of Skywalker. Boom. Case closed. Mic drop. I'm out. And that was Zach, everyone. Um, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't call Batman v Superman as good as The Last Jedi. I would have to watch it again to really make that assumption. Uh, but I see where you're going at. Wait, wouldn't Man of Steel be Force Awakens? That analogy doesn't work. Hey, Man of Steel was great. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work that well, but you get what I'm I saying. I get what you're saying. I like Man of Steel too. Um, there's, Man of Steel's good. There's, the, the, the one also has a divide, but like I like it. Yeah. I think it. I think it's fine. But anyway. Um. But yeah, just Justice League. You know, as you guys listeners know, uh, Zack Snyder uh, was originally direct signed on to direct Justice League. He shot the movie. Uh, his daughter unfortunately committed suicide, so he had to. He he left the uh, movie for personal reasons uh, to heal with his family. Uh, and then he chose Joss Whedon of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Avengers 1 and 2 fame to uh, finish the project. Uh, so and what happened was... Did he choose them? Zack Snyder chose Joss Whedon, I believe. Uh, I, I, I believe it was like... Okay, so it wasn't the studio choosing for Zack? Well, I think the studio picked... like. Joss Whedon uh, wanted expressed interest in finishing it. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the studio even like reached out to him about that, and then then Zack Snyder gave the final final yes, like let him let this guy finish it. Okay, okay. Cool. There was a bunch of reshoots that happened. Uh-huh. It, it, it was it was when it was originally reported, it was like oh, it's gonna be like some minor reshoots because obviously mm-hmm. you know that that's normal in like big budget movies, like you know you're gonna have to reshoot some things, right? Uh, and you have the money to do so, <laughs> and uh, but it, what but what wasn't but then as it went on it was like man these reshoots are kind of taking a while uh what's happening so now so then the final product that we saw in theaters that we all hated except for ryan but respectfully i can understand ryan's opinion too because you know the it's fun to watch it's a definitely turn your brain off movie like zach said uh the flash was the only good character in it but uh you know it it was a mess uh and it was hard to tell if how much of it was Zack Snyder's original vision uh, and how much it was Joss Whedon's new vision, especially when Joss Whedon got a writing credit on it. And it's just like a lot of the footage, when you compare it with the first trailer, like it looks very flat uh, or the color palette is different. Uh, there are some scenes that were in th- that intercut. I feel, I feel like they intercut the original shoot and the reshoot. And you can tell the color grading was a little bit different too. Um, that's just my eyes that saw it. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. Well, the color grade, you can tell the color grade from the trailers and stuff like that. Like the original trailers that came out. Oh yeah. Like the final battle is like blue almost. And when you go and watch it in the original cut, it's red. It's like, what the hell? Like Jesus. Yeah, that was, I didn't like that about it. I also didn't like, uh, I don't know. It just seemed very, it seemed very campy at the end. Yeah, I agree. Right. No, at the very, yeah, the end product was a very campy movie. Uh, that feel like it, it was a ter- it was a t- it was a tone shift from the last movie for sure, but it wasn't didn't feel organic. Well, like I felt it was like straight up like when they were when they were doing it, it kept switching between like they wanted to be dark, but they didn't know how to like Batman on the ground being like, oh yeah, I definitely felt that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that one was like, wow, this is a weird joke to have in a movie, especially if Batman of all people make it. Well, the weird thing is, like, in the comics now, like, in the most recent comics, Batman has been known to crack a little bit more jokes lately. So, it's like, it's more, so I'm like, okay, that was fine. But the problem is, one, we got set up with this Batman back in the last movie, and this Batman just murders people. Let's be honest, he murders people. Mm -hmm. He was throwing, he was blowing cars up, he was throwing boxes at people's heads. Yeah. They're dead. 100%. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't murder Lex Luthor. 
don't ask me why. Yeah, I don't understand. Right. Don't think about it. <laughs> Seeing this Batman crack jokes and be like, oh, you know, and having this whole, I guess, was supposed to be romantic tension with him and Wonder Woman, which I thought was completely out of left field. Blah. I was Blah. just kind of like, what's going on with these characters? And like Cyborg was a two was literally a two dimensional character. Mm. Yeah. But like like Kevin said, Flash was the best character. I enjoyed Aquaman. The sad thing is. Cyborg and Aquaman are just really like plot pieces. Oh, yeah. Like they need right. Cyborg to fix the box, and Aquaman's there just to hold like for his strength. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's all they're there for. Like they could have had a better one, <laughs> and they could have had Green Lantern. I think a Green Lantern was originally planned. I think he was. I think that he's going to be in the Snyder cut. Ooh. But um, reverting back a little bit. Oof, we spent a little bit too much time on that. Yep. But Joss Whedon's career. What? What a. Well, I can't wait to see how that develops even further. Yeah. Uh, so right. Ray Fisher, the guy who plays as uh, Cyborg, came out on Twitter a couple weeks ago as of recording this, uh, saying that Joss Whedon was very unprofessional on set. Uh, and then Kevin Smith, uh, who is a you know renowned comic book geek and uh, free and filmmaker, uh, he also like kind of voices like he voiced kind of like his experience on the on when he visited the Justice League set with Joss Whedon. There was a lot of trash talking about like Snyder's vision. Uh, Joss Whedon saying that like you know his vision's gonna be better and it was and he was being enabled by you know the producers Jeff Johns and John Berg. But going on to like the you know there's an article by the Cut uh, that kind of lists Joss Whedon's like history of misconduct. Uh, it's not the first time it this something like has this has happened. Whereas Joss Whedon has like a a, a, a public persona where he's like he's a humble feminist. Right. Uh, but if you like, kind of like, kind of look at it, like his past work, especially like Doctor Horrible sing along blog, it's not really there. Um, he there, and it seems like the turning point was like in season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where his he suddenly became very egotistical. Uh, and th- this is the time where Buffy the Vampire Slayer just hit it really big. It is mainstream. Uh, season three was like some of the, one of the best like TV seasons ever produced. Uh, and heralded by critics and fan uh, uh, audiences alike. Um, so, so like you know, he uh, James Marsters, the guy who plays a Spike in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He, you, M- Ryan knows him from the uh, uh, the show Runaways, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Spike became a very popular character uh, uh, in season four of uh, it, it with audiences. Like he was introduced in season two. And audiences kept demanding that like he be, he come back because he's like really good. Uh, James Marster said on Mike Rosenbaum's podcast, uh, Mike Rosenbaum played Lex Luthor in Smallville. Love that podcast. Highly recommend it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. So James Marster was saying like his one experience with Joss Whedon where it's like Joss Whedon kind of cornered him. He's like, I don't care how popular the character are, is. Uh, this is my this is my show. I we do what as I say, and you know it's kind of like in a threatening way. Oof. Yeah. Uh, and then there was also reports of the stunt doubles in season four of Buffy, uh, where, well, it was a it was a couple that got they they met on season one of Buffy, and then like they then they they were married by season four the production. Right. Uh, and Joss Whedon just kept kind of just berating them, uh, did not wanting, kind of like trying to trying basically ruin their relationship. Uh, does he didn't feel like that personal and work should be mixed and which i mean i kind of get that but not to this extent of course right yeah um and then like but basically like he was just when he was not cool with their relationship uh and then with the show angel which is a spinoff of buffy 
uh, Charisma Carpenter, who plays Cordelia Chase in both Buffy and Angel. Okay. Uh, she became pregnant towards the end of the series, um, and Joss Whedon just was not cool with it. Uh, so he kind of like, like he wrote her character out, but like didn't do the character justice. He just kind of like, it just kind of like, it was you can, uh, according to Charisma Carpenter, it's like yeah, like it seemed like you know his anger for her leaked out into the script uh as he wrote her out of the series so a half-assed write out basically basically yeah um she came out saying that she was cool with it and that all was forgiven uh but at the time it was obviously rough but it's still like you know it's still obvious that like they're there his private persona is different from his public one but anyway how does this relate back to justice league for example oh yeah so yeah so with ray fisher just coming out saying you know it's like yeah like we we were mistreated on set like uh he yeah the so zach snyder as a director according to ray fisher uh he talked about it uh earlier in not i think it was yesterday at justice con mm-hmm. uh during a uh panel uh because comic con's going on right now as we speak oh is it? yeah believe it or not it's all online it's all virtual yeah so there was a question on the panel uh it's like what was it like what was the difference between like working with zach snyder and joss whedon and so like he started off saying like yeah so there's still no real details of what happened on that set uh but according to ray fisher a process is being undergone to uh bring those to light uh they are so there's like investigations going on. There's going to be accusation probably sometime really soon, a public accusation. Um, so we'll, and I think we'll just kind of see the fall of Joss Whedon probably very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Rip. But yeah, he was saying like, you know, with Zack Snyder on set, like Zack Snyder would treat each actor uh, equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would, he, he, it's no, it's not like, you know, it's like, oh, this is the bigger star. I'm going to give him more directions and I'm going to give the side character. Like, no, Zack Snyder was like made sure to talk to each actor, basically the equal amount of time mm-hmm. uh, with the equal amount of care. Uh, Joss Whedon, he was definitely like flocked more towards Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck and kind of left Ray Fisher in the dust. Um, I think there was also like he wanted Ray Fisher to say booyah. Yeah. And Ray Fisher was not cool with it because of because of the context of his character uh because when joss whedon was basically rewriting his character joss whedon kind of basically made him a black person archetype okay um he's like he would he would say like his dialogue would be slings and have have a lot of apostrophes and yeah yeah and catchphrases yeah um so zach snyder like you know the original script by who wrote it chris terrio i guess gross uh and also under zach snyder's supervision um, well, I mean, like Ray Fisher says, yep. Zach, Chris Terrio has his flaws, obviously, but Ray Fisher says that he likes Chris Terrio's uh, writing style in the sense that he doesn't create a black archetype. He doesn't have like, you know, the speech patterns. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. He writes it as a character. I was referring to Chris Terrio writing Red Skywalker, but that's a different thing. Sorry. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I think we need to do an investigation on Chris Terrio. <laughs> Kevin, um, yeah, is he a really good writer? Let's find out. Hard deep dive yeah i feel it, it could have been the possibility with rise of skywalker where he got brought on last minute only to be the scapegoat you've been defending chris terrio ever since i've known you and i don't know if it's worth it i really don't i don't i'm not really defending him because <laughs> i don't really know much about him it's like, right i know it's like i don't know enough about him to to you know bring him down 
but <laughs> no, I know. I'm just giving you shit because I remember like the first time we talked about Batman v Superman, you're like, "No, Chris Terrios were the good parts of Batman v Superman," and then Ryan Skywalker came out, and I'm like, "You sure?" And you're like, <laughs> uh, "I'm not sure anymore." I'm gonna be honest. Here. <laughs> hey, man, Argo was good, <laughs> uh, but maybe Ben Affleck was to blame for Argo being good. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, so now we'll, we'll see more of how that Joss Whedon story develops. Uh, who know? Who's to say when the next uh, big installment of this saga is? Right, and I'm. I respect Ray Fisher a lot for coming out and being like, yeah, like I will take the fall for this. Like I will make sure repercussions happen for everyone involved in the situation. Joss, um, the two producers, Jeff Johns and John Berg, correct? I think. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. Ray Fisher on the uh, Comic-Con video. I think it's on YouTube. The timestamp is like 26 minutes to about 32 minutes. Um, he's like, yeah, like we'll, I will do my damnedest to bring them down. And like, like he basically marred himself for it. And I'm like, you know what? Respect. Like that's it takes a lot to like risk everything you have just to make like for the like the good of everyone. I mean, I watched a little bit more of that panel too. He seems like a really interesting guy. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to tell with actors if they're putting on a persona in front of the camera, right? Uh, but this is like he was definitely more relaxed. He was definitely pretty relaxed. So I was like, I feel like this is more of what his actual person is. Yeah, I agree. I can't say that. Um, I'm just outsider looking at. He's quote unquote at Comic Con like virtually so i'm like how much a persona to put on in your house on a skype call yeah exactly but ryan did you have any thoughts on it did you watch the video i sent i don't think you uh no i didn't get a chance to uh but what are your thoughts on it like from what you've heard so far the whole situation i don't know enough about joss whedon and all their careers and everything because most of the time i don't when i watch movies i don't why i don't pay attention to all the background stuff i'm just watching the movie uh, but it does sound kind of interesting, especially I, the whole Ray Fisher cyborg being a black archetype. It's I'm on the fence about it because in the comics, Cyborg is a black teenager, so mm-hmm. he's the youngest member of the Justice League. He does kind of he says booyah a lot. Right. He acts like a kid, even though like they've tried to make him more adultish in the comics recently, since he's no longer part of the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still acts like a kid, so that's why I'm kind of like. Okay, I can kind of see trying to make him more, like, you know, saying booyah and kind of more slang. But at the same time, I get also where Ray Fisher was coming from mm-hmm. on the whole, yeah, don't just create an archetype right. character here. I don't know what Joss Whedon's doing. I, I Honestly, I only knew, I didn't know who he was until I saw Avengers. He, he makes good stuff. Like, there's no denying that he makes good stuff, but he should still... Um, unfortunately just be held accountable for his actions uh if if he did do them yeah i agree uh which you know it sounds there's a lot of evidence that sounds like yeah like you know i I feel like there's definitely evidence to where he should be brought down early and held accountable for them but here we are now ray fisher leading the charge go ray fisher but that is all the time we have for today. We like talking about ourselves and our ideas and how committed we are to each other and them. You can find us on Twitter at Committed Crits. That is C-O-M-M-I-T-T-E-D, C-R-I-T-S. Uh, the link to our Patreon is below in the description. Our goal is $10 a month just to pay for uh, Podbean so we can be on your favorite streaming platform. Wouldn't that be nice? It must be nice to have Washington on your side. Have those, have those Washingtons <laughs> on your side. Having all those Washingtons, all those dollar bills. Next week, I mean, well, not next week, two weeks from now, uh, Ryan and I would have should have Mistborn done by then by Brandon Sanderson. Um, I like it so far. What, how about, what about you, Ryan? 
I enjoy it. I very much enjoy the world building and the different types of uh, abilities the characters have. Yes. So that's what we got to look forward to in the next episode. Until then, stay safe, wear a mask, and have fun. Bye. Adios. Bye-bye.